Hey, I'm glad you are here today. Uh, I just recently became a vegetarian. Any vegetarians here? A few vegetarians? Anyone? A couple? I mean, I'm not a strict vegetarian. I still eat fish and chicken and beef. And sometimes I eat pork, just depending. But uh, I'm not a strict vegetarian. Have you ever eaten fast food in front of a vegetarian? They look at you like you are barbecuing a kitten. No kidding, man. They, they just look at you like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I, I am. I, I'm going to enjoy this. It's probably going to take me a decade to digest it. You know what I mean? Um, do you know what they do to those chickens? And I'm like, no, but it is delicious. Whatever they do, muy delicioso. I love, I love me some, some meat. I, I love vegetarians. Uh, have, have you ever, vegetarians are trying to, have you ever met vegetarians that are trying to impress you with their vegetarianism? They're like, you know, it's been five years since I've had any meat. And I'm like, well, good for you, right? It's been six months since I ate any kale. You don't see me bragging about anything, right? Um, I, I, I have a daughter who is a vegan. No, that's not right. She's a vegetarian. No, she's a pescatarian. She keeps changing. I don't know what she is. She, she has a special diet, though. She doesn't eat meat, and, uh, and she's, but she's really like a terrible vegetarian. Like, m- m- most vegetarians don't eat meat, but she also doesn't eat vegetables. Do you know anybody like this? She's a vegetarian that doesn't eat any vegetables at all. She eats all the other stuff, but I'll, I'll say to her, hey, let's go to lunch, and I'll get a chicken salad. And she'll say, Dad, you know I can't have chicken. And I'll be like, yes, but you can literally have everything else on the salad. You can have a salad. And she won't eat it. She doesn't eat salad at all. What kind of vegetarian doesn't eat salad at all? But she doesn't eat salad at all. Um, and so it's interesting to me because it's expensive to eat vegetables. Do you know this? If you go to a restaurant and you order a chicken salad, they're like, that'll be 12 bucks. Or you can get eight hamburgers for a dollar. Anybody else? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's a deal, and, and they kill you on that stuff. And so it's interesting to me. Um, my daughter loves the fake meat. Do you know about the fake meat? The Impossible Burger, the, the Beyond Meat. They got Beyond Sausage. They got Beyond... They got all this other kind of stuff, and she loves that stuff. But that stuff is ridiculously expensive. Do you know that? It is super expensive to buy that stuff. Um, and, and have you seen the ingredients on the Beyond uh, Meat stuff? Take a look at this, right? Um, if you go to buy meat, on the right hand, you have beef. It's made of beef, right? Made of beef. It's made of cow. It's dead. It's full of carcinogens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or you can get this stuff on the right, which is largely, it's mostly made out of pea protein isolate, expeller pressed canola oil, and refined coconut oil. Or it also, though, has some of this other stuff. You ready for this? Cellulose from bamboo. Methyl cellulose, maltodextrin, vegetable glycerin, gum arabic, ascorbic acid, beet juice extract, acidic acid, succinic acid, modified food starch, and anato for color. Mm, doesn't that sound delicious? Are you, does it make you hungry? It's delicious. Sounds delicious to me. Today we are going to talk about a disagreement between the meat eaters and the vegetarians in the, in the book of Romans. But you're going to find out this is about way more than meat. It's about way more than meat. It's really beyond meat. So let's jump into it. If you've got your notes, grab them with me. we got a lot of scripture to cover today. We're going to go through it and we're going to hit it. Look at the person next to you and say, buckle up. Buckle up. Here we go. Let's jump into it. Here's the first point this morning. And it's this. 
Accept each other's in the gray areas. Accept each other in the gray areas. How do you spell gray? Does anybody know how to spell gray? Is it E-Y? Is it A-Y? Does anybody know? Do you know? Can I tell you something? It's both. Did you know that? The word gray is literally a gray area. You can spell it both ways. If you go to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, you can spell it either way. It's still talking about the differential between black and white. A-Y is typically the American English way. E-Y is typically the British American way. But what do those Brits know about English anyway? Let's jump in. Ready? Here we go. Romans 14.1. It says this. We are supposed to what? Accept other believers who are what? Oh, you people got to do this with me or I ain't playing. Ready? Accept one another believers who are what? Weak in faith. And don't, what are we supposed to not do? Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. I typically preach out of the New Living Translation. I like it. It's more readable. But Glenn preaches out of the New International Version. And I think he loves it whenever I pull the NIV in to say that it's better than my version. So take a look at the NIV because in this particular, it actually helps a lot, I think. It says, accept one another whose faith is weak without quarreling over what? Say it again. Now, here's what you do. In your notes, I want you to highlight disputable matters. After you've highlighted it, I want you to take your pen and draw a box around disputable matters. After you've highlighted it and boxed it, I want you to draw a circle around disputable matters. After you have highlighted it, boxed it, circled it, I want you to draw some arrows from the margins pointing into disputable. Are you getting the point? This is important. These are disputable matters. Disputable matters. We are not talking about the foundations of our faith. The first 11 chapters of Romans have been about the foundation of our faith. Paul has spelled it out in a way that is so clear and logical. And he's talked about how we are sinful people. Amen, people? We are sinful people. Nobody does that with any gusto. But we are sinful people, right? And we are saved by grace. And we're saved by this grace through faith in Jesus Christ, through nothing else. You can't earn it by being good enough. You can't be moral enough. There's nothing you can do. You need Jesus Christ. And Jesus is who he said he was. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That is the foundation of our faith. Those matters are indisputable. We are not talking about that. We are talking about the gray areas. And these gray areas are the stuff that Christians, man, they love to argue about the gray areas. We, we just love to argue about those gray areas. We tend to elevate these gray areas to a place where they should never go in our faith. But we love to argue about it. And we're going to see in this church in Rome, there's this mixture of Jewish Christians and these new Gentile Christians who have come to the Lord and they're worshiping together and they have a debate about meat and vegetables. And the way I worded this to begin with is it's bacon versus broccoli, people. Bacon versus broccoli. Do you know what, have you ever had like a nice broccoli salad where it's, it's broccoli steamed and, and it's really, you know what goes lovely on a broccoli salad? Bacon, bacon bits. You, they give the nice crunch, they, they complement it, they, they're delightful, you're gonna love it. Um, listen to what it says in Romans 14 too. It says this. For instance, one person believes it is all right to what? Eat anything. By the way, this is my religion. My religion is the eat anything religion. I can eat whatever I would like to eat. Thank you very much. That's my religion. It's right there in scripture. But listen to what it says, because that's not the point. But another believer with a sensitive conscience will what? He'll eat only vegetables. Don't you wish you had this verse memorized when you were a kid? 
Don't you wish like when your mom was like, Steve, eat your vegetables. Mom, I shall not. And if you knew Romans 14, you wouldn't want me to because those vegetables will make me weak. Can I have another burger, mom? You know, uh, it, it, it doesn't work that way, but, but it, this is not about eating meat or vegetables. I want to make sure we all understand this. It's the illustration, but it's not about that. Why would somebody not eat meat in the first century? Well, it's pretty simple. In the first century, in a place like Rome, most of the meat in the market would have been offered to idols. It would have been sacrificed to an idol, uh, a false god. And some Christians would say, well, a good Christian would say, I can't eat this meat in good conscience knowing it's been sacrificed to an idol. But then there were other Christians who would say, that idol is nothing. It's a statue. It's wood. It's, it's metal. It's stone. It's, there's no God in that statue. Like you can eat that meat. It's not a problem. There's not, it's not really a God. It's not sacrificed to anything. And so they would say, bring on the bacon, right? Um, in addition to that, in Christian church, in this church in Rome, there were Jews and Gentiles that were worshiping together. Now, if you know anything about that, uh, the Jews had a very specific way of eating. They could only eat meat that was specific, right? It had to be, not only did it have to be a specific kind of meat, but it had to be killed in a certain way and bled in a certain way. And so that's how they would eat their, their meat. Now, they knew, you know, Paul's been clear, and in the New Testament, we see that those Old Testament laws don't all apply anymore. But at the end of the day, they've lived that way a long time and habits die hard, if you know what I'm talking about. So when they hand you bacon, you're like, ugh, bacon, I don't know. I mean, I don't react that way, but ugh, I don't know if I should eat the bacon. So this is a real problem with them, right? Um, Listen to what it says as the passage continues. It says, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods, what? Condemn those is the word I was looking for. Must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So who's right and who's wrong? Who's right and who's wrong? Right? Who's weak here? In the passage, we see that the vegetarians are weak, which I happen to agree with because I think meat is lovely. Uh, Protein, people, you need protein. Throw a chicken breast on that salad, then we'll talk, okay? But honestly, that's not the point here. The point is we accept each other regardless of where you stand on the meat issue. Does that make sense? That's what we do. That's a gray area, and we accept each other. So what else can we argue about this morning? You want to argue about something else? Here we go. Let's talk about Saturday versus Sunday. Saturday versus Sunday. Romans 14 verse 5 continues. In the same way, some think one day is what? More holy than another day. While others think what? Every day is alike. You should each be what? Fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Now, these same Jews that were in this congregation, basically, had had years and years and years of the same uh, holiday festivals and traditions and holy days, and they celebrated them every year. It was an important part of their culture and their faith. And there were these religious holidays that had to be. And for them, the Sabbath was a big deal. Man, there was all kinds of rules and regulations about the Sabbath and worshiping on the Sabbath and how far you can work or you can't work on the Sabbath and how far you can walk and all these other things, right? And they were dealing with it. Do you know this is still a thing? 
People still argue about which day is the Sabbath, whether it's Saturday or Sunday. Should we be taking Saturday as the Sabbath or, or should it be Sunday where we gather to worship God and, and learn Saturday or Sunday? And people argue about this. So can I tell you something? This is not a salvation issue. It's a gray issue. It doesn't matter that much. Like, like you can be convicted about one and be right. And I can be convicted about another, and we'll, we may find out from God later, but this is not a thing that God is going to you know, condemn on, if that makes sense. Um, this also can come into play with the holidays that you celebrate. There are people that believe in their heart that you should not celebrate Halloween. It is unchristian to celebrate Halloween. Right? How can you possibly as a Christian celebrate Halloween? That, Halloween is, is a, it's a pagan holiday that is based on demonic and satanic imagery. I will never celebrate Halloween. By the way, you go into the church harvest festival. You know what I'm talking about? The church harvest festival, the one with the pumpkins and the, and the rides. And then I think they're going to give out candy. They're going to do it in the trunks. It's going to be great. It's going to be a harvest. It's a harvest festival. It's a harvest festival. That's all it is. Right? But the truth of the matter is, is that people argue about this stuff, right? Listen to what the scripture continues to say in verse 6. Those who worship the Lord on a, what? On a special day, do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord. Since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Now, I want you to understand this because this is way more than about meat and vegetables. It's way more than about Saturday or Sunday or or what holy day you celebrate. This is about believers who believe differently about things that are in the gray area. They think about it differently than you do. And how do you approach people who think about it differently than you do? Right? Let me give you some examples from our not-so-distant past here in the church. If you're a little bit older, you are going to recognize some of these things that people have passionate issues about that they will defy you about. How many people know that this is evil? Huh? Huh? Right? Deck of cards is evil because it would inevitably lead to gambling. Right? This deck of cards, evil, leads you straight to hell. But have you ever noticed that if you were playing Uno cards, it's fine for some reason, right? Uno cards is okay, which by the way, people, crazy eights is Uno. That's all it is, okay? So you can play it with this deck right here. But people believe that. They struggle with that kind of stuff, right? There was a time when this was Satan's instrument. I have permission to touch Ian's guitar, but only briefly, and I should have put on gloves. I'm sorry, Ian. But the, 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 the tones that would come out of an electric guitar would surely lead right to Satan and it is evil, but not quite as evil as the monument constructed to Satan, the drum set. You know what I'm talking about? Like the rhythms that come out of that. Who produced those rhythms? Could it be Satan? Right? Um, how many people know about this? Dancing. Dancing always led to fornication. Do you know that? And for some reason, some dancing is okay. The dancing that you go, one, two, step, slide, one, two, step, slide. That was okay. But somehow this. 
I know what you're thinking. It is wrong. I got you. It's just wrong for me to do it here. I know. I know what you're saying. Like, it is wrong. Um, I think the sprinkler is pretty innocent, though, don't you? It's kind of innocent. Yeah. Um, Makeup, ladies, was from the devil. Makeup was Satan's paint. I'm telling you right now. Is, is makeup a sin? Maybe, but maybe it's Maybelline, right? Uh, we, we have these things that, that people argue about that are gray areas. Piercings. Oh, man, definitely no piercing. Ladies, again, got away with piercings somehow. I don't know why. You're allowed to have a piercing down here at the bottom of your ear. Maybe two. You can maybe have two, but definitely not one up here, right? And, and definitely not one. I, I, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Cigars, men. Cigars are not specifically mentioned in Scripture, but there was definitely an underlying thing that if you smoked cigars, you were probably going to hell. In fact, there's this idea that in hell there are two sections. Like if you walk up to hell and they say to you, smoking or not, and you say smoking, and they say, uh, cigars, huh? And he goes, yeah, yeah, cigars. He goes, are they Cubans? Yeah. Okay, illegal cigars. Yeah, we got a place for you. We got a cabin right on the lake of fire for you, man. These are the things that people fought. Tattoos? Oh, where's the oh, mm. Tattoos. People are like, but Steve, Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19. Don't give me that. You're not following Leviticus. I can tell you that right now. You had shrimp or lobster at some point recently. You, you, you were wearing polyblend clothes. Like, you're, you're not following Leviticus 19. But Steve, it's marking your skin, and you really shouldn't do that. And, and, and I, I, as I was studying for this message, uh, uh, another pastor w- said, you, Leviticus 19, people talk about with tattoos. What they don't talk about is Revelation 19, which is interesting to me as I went to go read it. In Revelation 19, Jesus is coming down like a warrior on a white horse as a, as in the battle. And what it says is literally, Jesus tattooed on his thigh is the word Lord of Lord and King of Kings. That's a Jesus that I can give get behind like that's a cool picture of Jesus right so tattoos what do you think these are all gray areas they're all gray areas and and here's the thing weak people hold on to rules I'm a weak person I love to hold on to rules because rules let me know if I'm winning or losing if I'm keeping the rules then I know I'm doing okay if I'm keeping the rules then I can feel better about my faith and my actions and, and so I, I end up holding on to those rules and here's the thing everything that I just talked about we all have opinions on them don't we you all got an opinion on them. You're allowed to have an opinion on them. It is your right to have an opinion on them. You can even have a biblical opinion on them. You can have all that stuff going on. But at the end of the day, it's still a gray area for somebody else. And so you have to ask this question. How do you treat people who are wrong? In your eyes, right? How do you treat people who are wrong in your eyes? They think about it differently than than you do. You believe they are wrong on this issue. You believe they are dead wrong on this issue. How do you see them? How do you treat them? How do you talk to them? What does that look like for you? The text continues in verse 7. It says this. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and the dead. 
the right and the wrong. So here's the point. Here's the point of the passage, really. It's don't use your freedom to judge another. Don't use your freedom to judge another. Romans 14.10 continues, and this is important. So why do you what? Condemn another believer. If you haven't circled that yet, you need to. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you what? Look down on another believer. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each one of us will give what? A personal account to God. Get this. You are free in these matters. You're free in these matters. But you're going to answer for you to God. You're going to answer for you. You're going to appear before God and you're going to give an answer for you. You're not going to give an answer for the next guy. You're not going to give an answer for anybody else. You're going to give an answer for you. And you don't need to put together a legal argument about why the next guy is wrong. You don't need to do anything to condemn the guy that's next to you. You just need to answer for you, right? Here's the point. We should just leave it to God. Leave this to God. It's between them and God. It's between, in the gray areas. I want to make sure you hear this over and over again. This is in the gray areas. This is in the disputable matters. We leave it to God. We leave this to God. You don't have to convince them. You don't have to convert them. You just leave it to God. Jesus Jesus himself warned against judging, right? In one of the passages that is like the most quoted and used, and I think sometimes used wrongly, uh, we, we see this. In Matthew chapter 7, if you've got your notes, it's in your notes. If you're in your Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 7, it says this. This is a famous verse. It says what? Do not judge others, right? Couldn't be more clear. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be what? Judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? What are you? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Some of you may not, uh, you may push back on this a little bit, but I would submit that this particular passage is not about judging people. It's about how you judge people. It's about how you judge people. Um, It says, do not judge others, Steve. It has to be about judging. No, it's about how you judge other people. We judge people every day, am I right? In every circumstance, we size people up, whatever they said or, or what they did or you know what they did last year. And so I don't think they're any different. And, and, and we size them up all the time. But it's not about that. It's, it's about how we judge them. You say, Steve, we have a responsibility to tell people when they are sinning. And I'm like, yes, we do. Absolutely. About indisputable matters, about theology, yes. About lifestyle choices that are going to harm your brother or sister, we absolutely do. But the important thing is this, is that you do it in such a way that, I mean, if you truly love someone, if you truly love someone, you won't just ignore it. You'll say, well, I guess God will convict you about your drug addiction. Or, or I guess, um, well, I guess maybe God will speak to you about that uh, pending divorce you're thinking about. No, no, we, we speak into those things. But the important thing is this. Man, don't be a hypocrite. It's about how you judge. Don't be a hypocrite. 
At the end of this passage, the guy who has a log in his eye is supposed to help get the speck out of his brother's eye. He's just got to get the log out of his eye first. Do not be, an unbelieving world cannot stand hypocrisy. They can't take it. They don't want any part of it. An unbelieving world cannot stand a hypocrite. We cannot be hypocrites as we go through this process. And the point of this is this. We're going to sacrifice your freedom for their faith. We're going to sacrifice your freedom for their faith. Romans 14, 13 says, So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to what? Stumble or fall, right? Am I right? Now, the Bible is very clear to not be drunk. Am I right? It's very clear about that. But what about a nice beer? Hmm? I'm not talking about that Bud Light swill that tastes like, ugh. I'm talking about a craft beer, like an, an IPA or an or a, or a amber ale, something with just a hint of citrus in it. Mmm, delicious. Something that you can enjoy with your dinner or, or sitting around a bonfire. I'm not talking about getting drunk, I'm just talking about a good beer. Ian Bender, our pastor, did the uh, community group video this week, and he added to my outline, which I love the way he did this. He said, uh, it's not bacon versus broccoli and Saturday versus Sunday. It's also ginger ale versus pale ale. And I was like, he's a genius. <laughs> Guy, Ian's a genius. What about a glass of wine or two? I mean, this would be really awkward if this was wine country or something like that, huh? <laughs> right? Right? Or, or what about, this is a new thing, I've, I, it's a thing. People go and, and they drink this craft like bourbon or whiskey or, or whatever else it is. It's like super expensive. They put an ice cube the size of your fist into a, into a glass and then they pour it over and then they let it sit there and they swirl it and they, they sip it just a little bit at a time. Like, is that okay? Is that okay? Because that stuff smells like kerosene. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> smelt it. Some of you are so nervous right now, I can tell, right? Some of you are like, is he going to drink it? I wonder if he's going to drink it. I don't know if he's going to drink it. Some of you are like, drink it, Steve, drink it. But let me ask you, would you pour that beer at a Celebrate Recovery meeting? Would you bring an ice chest full of beer to a family cookout with a brother or a cousin who has genuinely struggled with alcoholism? Like it's cost him a job, family. I'm, I'm talking about real pain, the kind of pain that's led to his kids not respecting him and, and his wife on the verge of walking out. Would you do that? You wouldn't, right? Because you care about him. You would sacrifice your freedom for his faith. You would sacrifice your freedom for his good, right? That's what you would do. Listen to what it says in verse 14. It says, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. 
Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. Here's the thing. You are free. You could partake. You could eat the meat. Paul is definitely on team carnivore. If you didn't read it there, Paul's a meat eater. He's like, give me the meat. But he's saying you don't have to. Maybe you should just get over it. Like get over it. Yes, you're free, but get over it. Let it go. You know, in the words of Disney, let it go. Let it go. Like you don't have to exercise your freedom. Eat some broccoli. It won't kill you. Honestly, you could, this isn't about, and I want to make sure you understand this, it isn't about caving into legalism. This isn't about that. But if you are ever doing something that you know with, with someone else that will be distressed over it, just give up your freedom. Say, I don't need to. I don't need to do that. For you and for your spiritual development, I don't have to do that. Romans 14, 17 through 19 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of what? Goodness, and what else? Peace, and what else? Joy, and the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. This is about building each other up. That's all it's about. Building each other up, that's it, period. You can get a burger on the way home. You definitely can. You know, if you go to In-N-Out Burger, on the bottom of the cuck, it says John 3.16. I think Jesus endorses In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> I, I can't prove that, but you know. In-N-Out sounds good right now, doesn't it? All right. Um, let's continue through the passage. There's a lot of verses. We're getting through them all, though, because I want you to see these. Don't tear apart the work, God, uh, the work of God over what you eat. This isn't in your notes. Read it on the screen. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are what? Acceptable. But it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person what? Stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. And then the next verse says, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between who? Keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is wrong. So when you give up your freedom, it's important to do this. Shut your trap. Just shut your trap about it. They were trying to translate this for the Spanish, and she was like, I don't know how to, and I said, I don't know how to translate it either. Just shut your trap. You got to do this with the right heart. Keep it between you and God is what it says in the text there. There's nothing worse than someone going on and on about how they've surrendered my freedom. Well, you know, normally I would have a beer, but I'm not going to because he, that doesn't count. It doesn't count. It's not, it's not based in love. That, that's based in, I'm going to continue to remind you that I'm judging you. By the way, I'm judging you right now, but I've given up my freedom. I'm judging you. That's, it's, that's not good. That isn't love. That isn't sacrifice. You're still judging them if you do it again and again. The passage continues, not in your outlines, uh, but up on the screen. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, then you are sinning. And here's the point of that. You know what you should do for you. You know what you should do for you. 
It's not about other people. It's about what God has convicted you on. It's not about what other people tell you you should do or, or how they're living their life. It's about what you know God is calling you to do, right? You, you are, if you're convicted about it, then you do you. You keep to that. And don't judge somebody else for what they do and let them do what they're gonna do. You just shut your trap and, and you do you. Which leads me to... So what, Steve? What do I do with this? How do I make sense of all this and live it out? Well, for most of you, I would say you probably already in your head right now have a list of don'ts. The things that I'm not supposed to do. I'm not, I don't gamble. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't dance. I don't dip. I don't, I don't go with girls that do any of those things, okay? Uh, that, that I've got my list of do's and don'ts, right? Let me ask you a question. Which of those things saves you? None of them, right? None of them. They don't save you. That doesn't save you. Are you more spiritual because you don't do any of those things? See, our faith isn't based on keeping the rules. Our faith is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about the relationship. And it's about preserving that relationship, not only with God, but with the people around us. There is a lost world around us that is so turned off by the idea that Christianity is just a a list of do's and don'ts. It's just a set of rules that you have to keep. It's a relationship with the God of all creation, with Jesus Christ. Giving something up, when you give something up, and you've chosen to give it up, it's never a drag to give something that you've given, decided to give up. It's just not a drag to do that. I chose. I don't need it. I don't want it. But when somebody else says, you better give it up, what immediately happens in us? Don't tell me what to do. Right? The truth of the matter is, is you have your own conviction that comes from God, comes from the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and you, you don't need to resent other people's convictions for you. Because I'm going to ask you this question. Anybody who's been a Christian long enough will have asked this question. What if you're wrong? What if about one of these gray areas you're wrong? Huh? You thought you had it figured out. Listen, if you've been a believer for any length of time, and I have, and over the years I have changed my mind on some things. Have you? Changed some minds on some things. I'm going to give you an illustration that might be a little controversial. So um, if you want to send an email, send it to glenn at fpclodi.org. Uh, it, it is a little controversial, but it was one of those moments that I walked through as a pastor. Um, there was a single mom in our church. She had contracted lung cancer. And if you know anything about lung cancer, it's horrific. Lung cancer just sort of eats you up from the inside out. She was a single mom. She had three kids. One was in, just out of high school and early college. One was in high school. And the third was like in late elementary heading into middle school. And she's dying. And we're walking alongside of her as her pastor and as, as her church body. And she's gone into a hospice. And so they brought a hospital bed into her like living room. And in her living room, she's there and she's hooked up to machines. And, and she's, she's not doing so great. And medicines aren't doing anything for her at this point. They're just not working. She's miserable kind of all the time. She won't eat. She can't keep anything down. And the only thing that gave her any relief were some special brownies. Do you know what I'm talking about, people? The special brownies. And there were some people 
who were bringing her special brownies. And whenever she got her special brownies, they were filled with, they had marijuana in them. When she had these brownies, suddenly her pain went down. She perked up. She began to eat other things and restore some of her strength every time she had the special brownies. Now, I had a very legalistic mindset about marijuana and about drugs. I said, no, never, not under no circumstances should you ever. And then I watched this woman who I had compassion for, who was dying and suffering every minute. And every time she got brownies, she would, plus it was brownies, people. Who doesn't love brownies, right? And she started to perk up. Now listen, I am still not down with recreational drugs. Please do not hear that in any way, shape, or form. Drugs will ruin your life faster than you can imagine, right? I had a friend tell me, but marijuana for most kids starts off as fun, then it comes to fun with trouble, and then it's nothing but trouble in the end. I am not down with recreational use. But if my choice for a dying woman of lung cancer is suffering and pain or brownies, I choose brownies now. I changed my mind about those things. I don't think Jesus will be waiting at the gates of heaven and when she walks up, he will say to her, what's that smell? Have you been? I don't know. I've changed my mind about some things. Romans 15, 1 and 2 says this, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. What is the this? This is disputable matters, gray areas. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others to do what is right and to build them up in the Lord. First Baptist, we need to be a church like this. A church that loves people where they're at, that accepts them when they have different opinions than us. Lodi needs a church like this. Our community needs a church like this, right? Where people can have opinions. You're allowed to have these opinions. You're allowed to have strong opinions. You're allowed to have robust discussion about them, but they don't lead us to walk away from one another. We stay in fellowship. We stay developing our faith together as believers, even though we don't do that. We can have robust discussions about theology. We can have robust discussions about culture. We can talk about politics. Oh, no, he didn't. Yes, we can. Honestly, is it possible for a church of people who didn't vote for the same person can stay in fellowship, continue to grow together, and and honor Christ together? We need to be a place like that. That's who we need to be. We don't judge each other. We, we leave those things to God. Here's the thing. We love Jesus more than we love being right about the gray issues, about the disputable matters. I want you to listen to this last verse. It says, therefore, accept each other just as who? Christ has accepted who? You. So that God will be given glory. Here's the last point. You ready? Christ accepted you when you were wrong. Think about it. Christ accepted me when I was wrong. Morally. When I was wrong. Spiritually. For most of us, we were wrong theologically. We had some messed up ideas about God and what it meant to follow Jesus. We were wrong on so many fronts. And Jesus said, I accept you as you are. 
I embrace you as you are. I love you too much to leave you that way. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to turn you into to, to something closer to what a follower of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like. But I accept you right now as you are, even though you've got some messed up ideas. Would you pray with me? Father God, may we view the people around us in such a way that we would accept them as they are. God, that we might love them based on who they are right now and that you have accepted them, God. And even though we differ on some of these items, and even though we differ on some of these ideas, that we would continue to stay in fellowship, that we would continue to grow together, that we would continue to love you in such a way, God, that we honor not only each other, but we honor you and we have a lasting impact on the community around us. Father God, help us to be those kind of believers who accept one another in our differences and continue to grow together towards your son, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.